Hey, welcome back to Default Global. Here we talk with global first entrepreneurs and remote work experts. And today we, we have a special guest, Sara Avira. Uh, and uh, today we're going to talk about global hiring, remote work, and how to do it in a right way, kind of. So, uh, first of all, thank you for being here. We appreciate uh, that you're finding time for, for us today. Um, and my first question, I guess, would be: Can you can you briefly introduce yourself? Can you tell us about your journey from being, you know, I guess, laid off due to this pandemic stuff to publishing a book and starting a business on remote work? Can you can you uh, give us some some uh, information about that about your journey this remote? Sure. Work? Yeah, thanks for having me here, Vitaly. Absolutely. Uh, so um, my career has been in human resources and talent development. So with, both within big Fortune 500 companies like PepsiCo and Avon, but also in some smaller tech companies like IAC and uh, Yodel. And I've always been in mm -hmm. a role that helps to not so much hire and find talent, but once that talent is in the organization, to grow mm -hmm. and develop them. So I've always created training programs, processes, systems to help to develop the talent inside of a company. And at the end of 2018, I was researching future of work uh, trends and, and um, reading different articles and everything I could get my hands on. And everything was saying that remote work was going to be the future. And, you know, this was pre-pandemic. Uh, so more companies were setting themselves up as fully distributed with no offices. And more individuals wanted that freedom and flexibility to work from anywhere. So... I thought, you know, in order to position our co my company at the time, I was the director of talent development, in order to position ourselves as really a leader in the future of work and to understand mm -hmm. what are the challenges of hiring globally, of, of, of considering talent that's not in the city of our main office in New York, you know, what are the opportunities of doing that as well? Um, so kind of just understand the ecosystem we decided that I would actually work remotely for a year and live, mm -hmm. live it and see, you know, what's difficult, what's not, um, what do we have to consider as an organization? And we decided that I would do it globally. We were an organization that wanted to expand globally and we were already acquiring small tech companies from around the world. Um, and so that's what we decided. And just a couple months later, I, started my journey of remote work. I worked from 12 countries in 12 months in 2019, mm -hmm. um, everywhere from Mexico to Vietnam to South Africa. And mm -hmm. uh, it was an incredible experience. I, we can go into the details later, but essentially from there is what inspired me to write a book about how to motivate and engage yourself as a remote worker. And <clears throat> I started then, of course, the whole world went remote as soon as I finished this this 12-month experience. And so eventually I ended up doing uh, talks and workshops for companies, helping them figure out how to engage and motivate their remote workers. And so that's what I still do now. I do keynote talks at conferences, I do workshops, and some consulting for companies around the world. Okay, sounds good. And and speaking about that, like like what you mentioned, twelve countries in twelve months, right? Can you, from that perspective, can you share some some of the 
challenges and benefits of building um, you know a distributed team across different time zones different countries maybe even different continents sure sure i mean obviously the benefits of doing that are getting the best talent the best people for the roles you don't are, mm -hmm. you're not only considering the pool of talent in your city you're you're able to go globally and really get the best people for the job who bring a diverse set of experiences and ideas and knowledge and that's invaluable um, obviously there's challenges when it comes to time zone differences, um, even sometimes cultural differences, you know, mm -hmm. they are, you know, they, it's not impossible, but those are things that we have to consider. You know, people have different ways of communicating, different ways of working. Some of us are more direct with the way we speak. Some of us mm -hmm. are more indirect. And so, you know, those can pose challenges, uh, to productivity, but it's certainly not something that can't be overcome. And even with time zone differences, there's a lot of benefits of that too, because right. if you plan accordingly, you know, while one team is sleeping, the other team can be working on the next step of a process. And so there's a continuity. There's no really, there's no stopping of the work as long as you're able to communicate and collaborate in the right ways. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. And you mentioned that you're an author of this uh, remotivation book, right? And in yes. that book, you you discuss this six contributing factors to our, to our happiness with work, right? Uh, yes. Can you can you maybe briefly tell us about those factors and how uh, they apply to remote work specifically? Sure. So one of the biggest takeaways from my twelve month experience is that so many people thought that once they would have the freedom and flexibility to work from anywhere, that they would be happier at work, they would be more motivated to do their job. And I think that was a short-term solution and short-term answer. But after a few months or in the longer term, people started to realize, well, yes, my environment does play a role in my overall happiness at work, but it's one small component. And if I don't actually like the work itself, it doesn't matter where I'm doing it from. It doesn't matter if I'm doing it from the office or at home or at the beach. If I don't like the work, if I don't understand mm -hmm. the value I'm providing, the impact, if I'm not being challenged or developing skills, it doesn't matter where I do it from. I'm not going to be motivated. I'm not going to you know, feel, feel fulfilled. I'm not going to perform at my best. And so okay. once I saw this happening for people, I said, okay, well, what does motivate and engage us regardless of where we're located? What are the core factors? So I started to interview remote workers. I did focus groups and a survey, and I narrowed it down to these six core motivators that drive our motivation, that drive our fulfillment at work. So the six are um, money, identity, mm -hmm. routines, growth, impact, and joy. And I'm happy to briefly talk about each one. Um, so money, sure. of course, is this taboo topic we don't like to talk about. But the truth is, it's the number one driver of our decisions in our career. And all mm -hmm. the surveys I've done, it's really, you know, obviously, we have specific financial goals, um, certain quality of life we want to maintain. And so money is a driver when we have those kinds of, of financial goals. Um, so that's one. And there's no judgment around that answer. You know, there's no judgment around any of these motivators, which one is driving you. The point is to be intentional and understand what your motivation is. Um, 
So that's money. Identity is when we work because um, the work signifies something about who we are or what we value. You know, so a lot of times having a specific title or working for a well-known company or having that kind of prestige, it's important and it drives us, you know. Mm-hmm. The third one is routines. So routines are when, you know, maybe we don't like every aspect of our job, but knowing what to expect and having that security, that safety of those routines, it keeps us going and it motivates us for better or for worse. The fourth one is growth. So growth is when we do the job because we feel like it allows us to develop skills or have experiences that contribute to our development. The fifth one is um, impact. So impact mm-hmm. is when the work allows us to provide of uh, to provide value. We feel like we have a purpose. We understand the impact our work is having on our clients, on the community, or even the world. And the final one is joy. So that's when we're motivated to do the work because the work is its own reward. The work is fun. It's right. creative. It's innovative, and and we're having it brings us energy. So what I noticed is that the people who were most fulfilled and performing at their best were able to minimize some of the obstacles related to their money, identity, and routines. They were able to manage some of those external pressures or expectations. And then once they did that, they're able to have more opportunities for growth, impact, and joy. So this is typically the order I saw that people start Mm -hmm. by managing their relationship to their money. Like how much do I really need to make to have the lifestyle I want? You know, their identity, like, do I want this title because it means something to me or because of this external pressure expectations from people in my life? Routines Mm -hmm. is like, am I doing this job because it's just safe and comfortable and this kind of inertia is just keeping me going or because I really want to be doing this. And then we go into growth. Am I developing skills and having experiences? Do I understand the impact I'm having? And then finally, do I actually enjoy the work itself? Mm-hmm. Okay. And and you, you touched this, uh, but uh, I would like to go a bit deeper. In, in, your, in, in that book, you, you also talk about the importance of purpose and connection in remote work, right? Can you can you can you elaborate more on how to establish those two elements in remote work yeah. environment? Yeah, so oftentimes when we're working remotely, we're physically separated from the people mm-hmm. that you know receive the output of our work, um, whether right. it's our clients or even our teammates. And sometimes we can let that physical separation or that physical distance create emotional distance. And what do I mean by that? Like when we are not connected to who's receiving this work, what is the value I'm providing? What's the feedback? Am I, is what I'm doing helpful or not? When we're disconnected from the impact, it's really hard to feel connected and motivated to do the work. So I always encourage people like think about the kind of work you do regularly, your daily tasks or specific projects you're working on. Do you understand the impact or the value that it's having? And if you don't, then it's up to you to ask for more context, ask for information. What does that look like? So it might be saying to your boss, like, hey, you remember that 
presentation. I spent a month preparing and then you sent it off to the CEO. Like, what did they say? Mm -hmm. What's the feedback? You know, what could I do differently? Um, what went well? Like, and of course we would like to hope that our managers are providing us with that feedback and that context, but sometimes they don't. And it's up to us to take that ownership and ask those questions. Or maybe you're asked to run a specific report for a client. So maybe you ask, um, you know, can I join that client meeting so I can hear firsthand the challenges the client is having and come up with a more customizable solution or a report? You know, so mm -hmm. really taking ownership of the information you need to feel connected to the work and the purpose of your job. And the more connected you feel, the more motivated you're going to do, uh, you're going to be to do that work. Um, mm -hmm. And that's both the connection to the work, but the connection to the people who's receiving the output of your work. Is it another team inside your organization? Is it the end client or the customer? And finding ways to connect more with them and understanding, you know, how you can best work together and provide more, you know, uh, creative and customizable solutions. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And let's talk a bit about hybrid work, right? So you you have spoken at Google, American Express, Avon, Bank of America, PepsiCo, right? So on creating successful hybrid work environments, right? So with that, can you can you share some of the best practices for creating a, this successful hybrid work environment where remote and in office employees can can kind of thrive together? Yeah, I think one of the most the biggest misunderstandings excuse me for the background noise the misunderstandings of hybrid work is that you know people say it's the best of both worlds it's the best mm -hmm. of you know the flexibility of work remote work but also the in-office collaboration the truth is out of the three models which i would say is everyone in office everyone remote or hybrid Hybrid is the most difficult to implement. Even if it might be the best of both worlds, it's definitely mm -hmm. the most challenging. Because if you think right. about when we were uh, in the very beginning of the pandemic, when everyone was working remotely, we were all on this level playing field, right? Everyone was in the same position. Everyone was virtual. So there was mm -hmm. no side conversations. There was no meeting in the office mm -hmm. at the water cooler and having a conversation and leaving out the person that was working from home, you know, everyone was even. And, you know, for some companies before the pandemic, they were all in the office. So again, that was even. But now when you have some people working from home and some people in the office, there there is a challenge there. And there's a term um, called proximity bias. So proximity okay. bias means that the person, the employee that's in the closest physical proximity to the manager, they get considered for the most promotions and opportunities. They're, they're included in conversations that someone working from home isn't. And then there's a bias that occurs where the manager looks at the person that they visually see in the office and they assume they're working harder because they don't visually see the person working from home. And that's a big challenge and something that we all need to be conscious of. You know, how do we um, include how do we make sure we're considering everyone's opinions regardless of where they're located and so the first step is to really be aware that that's an unconscious bias that a lot of managers have you know I see you in front of me so I assume you're working harder you're doing the job 
when an opportunity comes, I think of you. But what about that person working from home that's working just as hard and contributing just mm -hmm. as much, right? So you've got to really be aware of that potential bias and ensure that you're considering and including everyone in all points of views. So I would say that's one of the biggest challenges. Um, and I think the second one is, it seems so basic, but it's so important. And that's ensuring that everyone on your team has very clear goals and deliverables. Because again, what happens in hybrid work models is we tend to um, evaluate performance a bit differently with someone that's in the office versus someone working from home. Um, mm -hmm. We want to make sure that regardless of where people located, we know that they're delivering on their performance. And how do we know? Because we've set really clear and aligned goals early on, and we assess performance based on the delivery of those goals. So regardless of where someone is located, we should be really clear on whether they're performing because we can um, assess their performance against these goals, KPIs, whatever mm -hmm. you call them mm -hmm. in your organization. So a lot of times I've worked, you know, I worked in HR for so many years, but a lot of times mm -hmm. you get to July, the middle of a year, and someone's like, I haven't been given any goals for the year. Like I'm just taking the work as it comes, you know, or for right. some companies you get to the, even the end of the year when they're supposed to do an official performance review and they're like, mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't even write my goals in the system. What were they for the last 12 months? I mean, it, it's, it's, there's no way that you can know if someone is performing at a certain level, if they have nothing to assess their performance on. So my big recommendation is, have very clear and agreed upon goals. If you're a manager, mm -hmm. ensure you're providing them. If you are not a manager um, and your manager has not given them to you, create goals for yourself. Come to your manager okay. and say, you know, here's what I think that I could should and could be working on. Are, are, are you aligned with this? Here are the milestones I plan to achieve along the way. Are we in agreement? You know, so be proactive about getting that clarity that you need. So I think those are the mm -hmm. two biggest challenges that come up in hybrid work models and ways to solve them. Mm -hmm. Okay, sounds good. And let's talk a bit about the, the, the future of work, right? So how do you think this trend toward remote work will continue, you know, to evolve mm -hmm. in the coming years, right? So we see this, uh, that mm, companies, uh, there are a lot of layoffs, right? So that's you know, going on, this big corporation, big companies are trying to get everyone back to office, right? So, and it seems that uh, this remote work trend that, you know, like, for example, last year, it was really like a big trend, but but this year, uh, it's not really clear. Is it still a trend or not? So with that, can you can you predict what 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 will what we'll see in a couple of years in terms of remote work? Will it be a sort of uh, geek oriented stuff, you know, or um, you know, in five years, big companies, big you know, corporations will still be using this as a as a part of you know their policy? I think we're going to see all types of models, and we're already mm -hmm. seeing it. Companies after having very successful, very productive two years of all remote or out of nowhere saying, I want everyone back in the office. Some okay. companies are saying, you know, okay, you can work from home on 
Tuesdays and Fridays. And some were saying, okay, we're fully remote. I mean, we're really seeing a mix of it all. And I think mm -hmm. we're going to continue to see companies kind of move and change their policies. What I find to be a little, what's the word, disappointing, is that mm -hmm. companies are focused on the wrong thing. They're trying to solve the mm -hmm. wrong problem. So they're okay. so focused on where should employees be located? You know, should they be remote, in the office, hybrid? In, but when really they should be focused on location irrelevancy, the location mm -hmm. doesn't matter. So what do we, should we focus on? Having really clear and agreed upon goals, uh, you know, um, equitable ways of measuring performance, investing in the growth and development with our people and ensuring they know how they can um, continue to grow within the company. When I looked at a recent survey by McKinsey, um, and all the reasons people are voluntarily quitting their jobs in this past year, lack of workplace flexibility was like number six. There's mm -hmm. all these other reasons before that on why people choose right. to leave a company or they're not engaged. And some of the top three are lack of growth and advancement opportunities, um, unreasonable work expectations, and uncaring leaders or managers. So there's all these other things that we could be solving for before we talk about, you know, where mm -hmm. people are located. Right. And, and um, if you can solve for some of those things I just discussed, people will be more open to come into the office or for remote. They, it will be less relevant where they're located and companies will care less. But what companies really need to focus on are um, some of those motivators I discussed, you know, that growth or do people know how they can grow and develop in the company? And do they understand the impact and the purpose? And do they enjoy the work itself? And so I think, you know, we get really focused on where people are. But even if you think you're doing what your employees want, this is what I saw from firsthand, even if you're like, okay, you can have all the flexibility, you can work remotely, you can work wherever you want in the world. If they don't like the work itself, if they're not motivated to do it, if they're not growing and developing, you're not going to keep these people for very long. You know, they're going to quit. Right. And so I just want to make sure people are focused on the right things. <laughs> right things. Yeah, makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. And probably uh, probably uh, my, my last question for today. So from, from your point of view, what three key pieces of advice would you probably give to, to companies that are considering making this switch to a global hiring to a remote work model? Mm -hmm. And what are what are some of the I don't know, most important things to consider when doing so? Yeah, so a little bit of what we said, you know, there's a huge benefit of being able to find the best talent you can. So being opening up your um, hiring processes to anyone in the world really allows you to hire the best talent to get diverse perspectives, and that could be incredibly beneficial for your business. Um, mm -hmm. I would say beware of that proximity bias. Beware that if you know you have some people located in the office and some people at home, that you're evaluating performance fairly, um, mm -hmm. and that goes the same with ensuring everyone has clear and agreed upon goals. And finally, ask people about their motivation. Ask them mm -hmm. questions like, "What skills or experiences would you like to have or develop? You know, what kind of work do you enjoy doing that you'd actually love to do more of?" What kind of mm -hmm. impact do you want to have or value do you want to provide? Get ahead of this. There's, there's something called um, stay interviews. So 
we used to call them exit interviews. So exit interviews is when someone's exiting the organization. We say, ask them, oh, why are you leaving? What could we have done to help you stay? You know, it's, but it's so too late already. I mean, the information is helpful for the future for other right. people, but it's, they're already one foot out the door. A stay interview is getting ahead of it. It's saying like, why are you still here? And what would keep you here? You know, how do we ensure that you're engaged and motivated regardless of where you're located? And I think that is critical for managers to do right now. And I had one manager tell me once like, well, what if I ask my direct report those questions and we can't provide the opportunities, we can't provide them with the experiences they, that they want. And my answer mm -hmm. to them was, if you don't ask, if you don't have that conversation, that employee is going to assume that they can't get what they want from the company anyway. Mm -hmm. And they're already going to think about leaving. So it's so much better to ask the questions because maybe you could solve for that. Maybe you could find those opportunities and help them grow within the organization. And at the end of the day, if you can't provide those experiences, they're still going to feel so supported, respected, cared for. And even if they end up leaving the organization, they're going to be your best advocate, like a brand ambassador outside the company. They're going to say, you know what? I worked with this company for three years. I had a great experience, you know, eventually for my personal reasons, it was time to go, but they're going to tell other people, but you should go work for them because they're an incredible company and they care about their employees and they're invested in their development, right? So your ex-employees are your best marketers for your company. So having these conversations is only going to benefit you as an organization. Okay. Okay. Um, um, I guess I guess we're good. So thanks a lot for your time. We appreciate your valuable insights on managing uh, distributed teams. You know, creating successful hybrid work environments. On importance of purpose and connection in remote work. It, it was great. We wish you all the best in your journey. Thanks a lot for your time. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely.